You are now listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tyranny Podcast. Welcome to Ride With Me, episode 96. Today is April 15, 2023, and today's guest is my new friend, Antonio. Antonio, good afternoon. Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. Afternoon to you, too. Well, it's still morning on my end. We got three more minutes, but <laughs> but it's, oh, after, it? it's afternoon are where you, you are. Away? Yes, sir. Oh, I don't know. I thought you was two. Nah, when you said two o'clock your time, that meant eleven o'clock my time. <laughs> oh, good morning. <laughs> yeah, so I got three more minutes, boss. But uh, today's um, today's guest is again Antonio. I met him through Marlena on through TikTok. Marlena was on my podcast recently. She's been on his podcast a little, a couple times. Podcast name is PT uh, PTG TV. You can find it on. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, mainly Spotify, right? No, it, it's everywhere. It's Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I'm, I'm on iHeartRadio. Yeah, wherever you get your streaming from. I haven't got to um, what is it called? Because I want to get on there. I can't even think of it right now. But yeah, I mean, I'm everywhere. Yeah, same. I mean, same same thing here. We use the same platform to post our our, our <clears throat> podcast. Uh, I was recently on his podcast uh, sharing the the purpose of my podcast and now he's on mine to share his purpose the purpose for his podcast yeah i mean again yeah thank you for um for having me on yeah it's so i guess you would you want me to tell my story like how i got started in yeah, it or? the purpose of your podcast so what is it that, why oh, so the purpose of ptg tv is to educate people on politics technology and gaming uh, the reason of it is is to break down break down all of those subjects in a way for everybody to understand to give them that aha moment to where they can capture it without me going to any big technical details or legal jargon that they typically hear from anybody else that talks on the top of their head. It just like I said, just to break it down in a way that they can digest it. Right, and I'm, I mean, for my my episode was pretty much my guest appearance on your podcast was pretty much giving my life story on why I do what I do and why. I, I have people come on my podcast and share their stories and pretty much get get shit off their chest and uh right. and I just was recently, you know, told thank you, you know, for what you're doing and I never thought about it that way. I thought about it as I'm just getting shit off my chest, but now allowing people to <laughs> now allowing people to come on and 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 share their stories and get shit off their chest like people that have not said things out loud ever to say it on the podcast is like yeah, well, thank you. You know, so, um, but I think a lot of people are doing it now, which is which is kind of weird to me because you, every, I mean, because you have a lot of people now getting on podcasts, and that's where all the tea is being spilled, stuff they've held on for years, which I kind of find it weird. I guess it's in a way it's people's their version, their way of like having a form of therapy without actually seeing a therapist. And but I mean, I think it's good. I, sometimes I think it's bad because sometimes you, you might be sharing too much. But uh, <laughs> but in our cases, it's good. Oh, I've 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 had uh, family members not talk to me anymore. But uh, AKA my my mom. But it's uh it's stuff that we don't get off our chest and stuff. And if you just hold it in, you have all this anger and all this BS, and you don't right. know why. And sometimes is all you got to do is get it off your chest. And a lot of people, you know, are when we were kids, you bring up, you know. Oh, I'm freaking stressed out, or I'm this, or uh, it's like I have a, an example. There's a individual that I know that, you know, they tell, you know, they're they're living in a toxic environment, and it's like they 
they one one tells the other person you need therapy. Well, no, you need it more than I do. And no, if I take therapy, that's fine. But don't tell nobody I'm taking therapy because I don't. It's embarrassing. Therapy is not embarrassing, man. No, therapy is a, a good thing because I have a therapist. I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff in my own personal life. I mean, I was talking about it yesterday with somebody I had on my own show, and it's like you know, you you need to get it off your chest. You need to go see a therapist because I mean, you can talk. You, it's not. It's only so much you can share to a friend to have them relate to some of the stuff that you're going to. And then even that, you don't want to put the burden of having so much pressure put onto them of all the stuff that you've gone through to where now they have they have to find somebody else to release it off of them. So it's, it's good to go see somebody that's licensed, somebody that's trained to deal with all that kind of stuff, and somebody that can actually coach you and guide you through the things that you've gone through in your own personal life, or you might be still be facing right now. And I'm hoping that if, if people that have come on my podcast to get stuff off their chest, I'm hoping that the, my, my podcast kind of opens the door for them to be like, Dude, that one episode with Andy was 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 feeling it felt good getting shit off my chest. Maybe I should consider finding finding a therapist and and talking to a therapist. Um, I, I mean, I hope I hope that's the case, man. Uh, I just like it's like you know, podcasts. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing it. It's funny because I I have a a cousin that he was like, you know what, man? I was talking about a podcast with with a buddy of mine ten years ago, telling him mm. we should like when podcasts first started kind of coming around. Dude, we should consider doing a podcast. And now podcasts are everywhere. It's funny because you hear, you 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 do hear a lot on on radio or whatever. You know, there's there's podcasts for everything. Podcasts for this. Podcasts for that. And right. I just started mine, like I said, just to get shit off my chest and uh, and you know, kind of like open to, to pretty much the pur- the purpose was to get shit off my chest to tell other people that people that are listening like holy shit. Do you know that the, the saying? Someone always has it worse than you do. You yeah. know, it's like I, I may have we I may have similarity with an individual, right? Let's say an individual has a similar similar BS that I'm going through that I went through, but there's there's two always this there's no stories that are the same. This person right. might think life's hell, like I thought life was hell, but he might have a loving family and I I didn't, you know. He might yeah. have a mom to run to and talk to and be able to vent to. I didn't. So that's my example yeah. of someone always has it worse than you. I kind of see it different. I think it's just a matter of perspective because I think all of us ways our circumstances sometimes be greater than others. And I think really it just boils down to that, you know, kind of like I was saying before we even started on it, we're, we're all facing, a lot of us are facing some some struggles. Some of the same struggles, some, some of them might be different than others. But it's still you know, how you take it versus how somebody else take it. Because somebody might be going through something and they're okay. I mean, they're still walking around happy and fine because they have this belief upon themselves that, which is just which, which is a good thing, that no matter what, at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. As long as I keep pushing through, you know, I should be fine. No, so I, not- I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, because you can say, well, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I just use a war situation. Well, I'm in a war and, you know, my family members being killed and somebody else over here, well, I'm homeless. And, you know, like you just say, I don't have anybody to turn to. And, yeah, you can, I guess, morally, you can say, okay, well, that might be true. And, you know, I'm, at least I'm not, you know, having to dodge bombs or whatever. But still, that person that's going through homelessness might feel as though that, you know, they don't have a way out. And to them, going through the struggle they're going through is like living in a war zone because you know we have so many people opposed to being homeless and they're trying to you can't even set up a camp anywhere because they're trying to tear their roads down so like i said it's just to me it's a matter of uh perspective i never look at it as 
a way that the stuff that I've gone through, that it was far worse than anybody else's. I just know it was hard as hell for me. <laughs> right, and I, and I and I I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation yesterday with my my brother-in-law. My brother, my everybody on the podcast that listens knows my brother-in-law Ricky. He's an LAPD officer, and we were talking. We were you know we we try to not get stuff off our chest, but just kind of compare stories of of what's been going on you know in in, in the day to day life you know. Mm-hmm. And I brought up a, an, an example about about an individual, and I said, you know, when this person hits rock bottom. The thing is that everyone's going to be there to wipe his ass. What they need to do is they need to let him struggle on his own. And and he used the same example you did kind of in a way was like, well, not every, that doesn't work for everybody. And right. um, just because, you know, because cause I use that as an example because that worked for me. You know, I hit rock bottom and I had nobody there to wipe my ass for me, you know. Right. And, and, and in this case, this individual has people that'll be there to to once he hits rock bottom they will wipe his ass for him and and but he used you know not everybody has pretty much i'm comparing what happened to me that as an example that it needs to happen to some other people so they can open their eyes which i'm i'm sure i was completely wrong but i'm just again i'm just going based on personal experiences yeah and that's the so what we've all kind of been trained to do which I guess in a way, I, don't, I mean, everybody's different, but we compare each other. We, we do our own means test. So our means test is to look at what we've overcome. Because you hear a lot of motivational speakers. is what, Whatever I overcome, if I overcame it, you should be able to overcome it too. And it's like, no, not everybody's built the same way. Some people go through that struggle. And if they don't have a support system, they decide they just want to check out. And they'll, and I say check out in the cleanest way possible because I don't want Andy, I don't want his podcast getting flat for anything, but I say they check out and they leave <laughs> this world to go over to the next because they can't ha- handle the stress and struggles that a lot of other people can go through. I mean, because we see it when it comes to a different sub-communities, like a lot of, of a lot of our communities, especially us, and I hate to say it this way, but in, in certain like minority communities, because I mean, I consider you to be a minority too, is, is kind of, we've kind of gone through struggle coming up and we had to do a lot of adversity and stuff. And those that have not gone through that, let's say come from a privileged household. And I say privileged as where they have a lot of income and money coming in. So let's say that money just happens to one day just be taken away or they lose it because the market fails or whatever. They don't know what it means to go through not being able to put food on the table and or put, put provide food for themselves. And to them, you know, they just they can't handle their pressure and they just they check out. Either they do they commit a crime to hurt themselves. Or they, because I have plenty of examples of that, but they just can't handle that pressure. I was, uh, it's funny, there's a trip we're talking about, I was reading about um, this actor, he committed suicide back in 20, 2003. And uh-huh. this is an actor that I liked him in the movie Sidekicks with Chuck Norris, yep. where he has like daydreams of being, kicking people's asses with Chuck Norris, you know, like Chuck Norris is his right hand man. And uh, I was reading his story because, you know, it's all over Facebook. Oh, you know. He killed himself. It's the anniversary of his birthday. And so I, I looked it up to read about him. Funny coincidence, just out of nowhere. And yeah, Jonathan Brand- Brandis, um, his last movie was in 2002 with, I believe, um, what's his name? Bruce Willis. And uh-huh. he felt that his his performance wasn't all that great. And that's why he killed himself. Yeah. After that movie came out, he became depressed and alcoholic. And then he just... He hung himself, and it's like, damn. So everyone, again, everyone kind of goes 
through a different path and a different, you know, like it's still to this day, it's hard to believe that Robin Williams did the same thing to himself. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that because you mean you would you would think that he was one of the happiest men you could be around. I mean, everybody that's met him from artists that's worked with him before, actors and actresses, and uh, people that have met him on the street was like, this guy's the most jovial dude that you can come across. He's real genuine. He seems happy, but he was battling demons on the inside that he didn't know how to deal with, and you know he decided to take himself out. Yeah, it's it's a trip how you hear. I, I you know what it sucks because I had a conversation with my son about a year ago and. And it was about, you know, you know, suicide. And I told him, you know, he knows that I, you know, I tried to kill myself and, you know, and I, and I've told him multiple times, they saved my life. My kids are the ones that saved my life. And so I told him, I'm like, I, I don't ever want you to feel that you don't have someone to come talk to because I never want to hear, you know, you being depressed, mijo, straight out, mijo, a girl's going to break your heart, buddy. Yeah. You know, a girl's going to break your heart, man, but that's not worth killing yourself for i mean look for example i almost did it for your mom you know and i'm still here right but what happened i found someone you know in your eyes you know in my eyes better for me and he was like yeah dad so i don't ever if you (laughs) ever get a broken heart mijo doesn't mean that you know that was it that's the end of the world no way buddy you're gonna get your heart broken multiple times I just yeah. want you to know that I'm here for you to talk to. I don't want you to feel alone where you have, you know, no one, no one in this world. Because I felt walking through the streets of Oxnard, I felt alone. I felt I had no one to go to. And uh, in, in his case, he has a, a support system here. He's got aunts and uncles and grandmas and, you know, grandpa. that They all love him. And I told him, you have, if you don't want to come talk to me, you have your Nina who's an LAPD. You go, go talk to her. You have Ricky who's LAPD. Go talk to him. You know, yeah. you, you have multiple people here in this family to talk to. And a lot of some of these people feel like they don't. I mean, again, back to Robin Williams, who who would have known that a man that got paid to make others laugh was depressed? Yeah, it's I mean, I mean, because I can t- I tell my boys the same thing, too, that the door is always open. But I guess in everybody it's a little it's a little different because i mean like even you're talking about your son your son you may tell him he has all those people but like the example you gave earlier with your the, the police officer he could be going through something but he could not want to come to you all because he's gonna feel like if he tell you he he's probably let you down because of a situation that's come up right and so he so in, in that case i don't even know what the answer is to that i just yeah it's, it's no different what you're telling me like you know the door is always open no matter what the conversation is feel free to come and talk to me because my youngest son has gone through depression when the pandemic hit. And he's kind of built the same way I am to a degree that we're both introverts. Well, I'm introvert, extrovert now, but beforehand, I was a true introvert. And even though he was in band, he was uh, he was in band. He played, you know, was in all these, these classes and these extracurricular things. He still kind of kept to himself in like a handful of people, but he never had real friends, real friends like my oldest son does, who's outgoing. He's an extrovert. He's always talking to people. He's crowd. He does crowd surfing, which is, is pretty fun to me. But he didn't get it from me. It's from his mom. But um, but yeah, once once the pandemic hit and he wasn't getting that energy from the other kids around him, whether he was talking to him or not, he started going through a state of depression. And fortunate enough for us, he told his mom, and then his mom told me, and then we signed him up for a therapist, and he was able to go to a therapist, and he was he was perfectly fine. But yeah, it's that. It's just. 
whether he talks to you or not, just make it, well, anybody say the case, not even just Andy. You know, just tell your kid to feel comfortable to tell you that they don't feel right. And that way you can get them over to somebody that's trained because nine times out of 10, they're more than likely not going to go and talk to a family member because either they're going to feel like they're letting somebody down or they don't want to be that vulnerable where they tell them something so personal about their life, they feel like they're going to judge them. But at least give them that outlet to say, hey, let me know what's going on so I can at least get you signed up and put under somebody that's a third party that don't know anything about you or me and that you can just go talk to because I want to see you here and I don't want you to do anything to harm yourself potentially or harm anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. But let's get to know um, Anthony, Antonio, man. Like, what what makes you you, man? I know we talked in the past. We talked a little bit. You gave yeah. me a little bit past, your, a little bit of your of your past history. You're growing up. But, you know, let's tell your my listeners what makes Antonio Antonio. So I still come from the nuclear family, two-parent household. Like, I come from the deep south. So, you know, those um, that have not listened to the podcast before don't even know me because you, you don't know me. But um, <laughs> I come from <laughs> I come from Macon, Georgia. I mean, I don't mind putting all my business out there. I come from Macon, Georgia, which is in the deep south of Georgia, south from hour and a half, hour and a half, two hours outside of Atlanta, right before you get to Warner Robins or – two hours away, three hours away from Valdosta. Anyway, this, I come from the deep south. So, and I say that to say because coming from the south, we, in my age, so I'm 44, we grew up around community. So technically speaking, we should have already had, always had somebody we could um, talk to if we had any situation that comes up. But my parents moved myself and my siblings up from Macon when we were, when I was like 10, for better opportunities and jobs. Cause my father worked for the phone company. So they gave me the opportunity to come up to Atlanta to, you know, get a better for, you know, a new job and more money. So we moved up to Atlanta. But in the midst of all that, I'm the middle child of three. So one thing I was telling one of my, the people that was on my show the other day is like the middle children to me, in my opinion, and always in my opinion, is just they have the, the hardest. Because if you have three, if you end up having three children, even if you have four, the first child is always your trial and error child because you knew the parents and you don't know anything about what it is to be a parent. So you try stuff out on your, your, your uh, first child. The second child you think is going to be the last child until you have a third one. But once you have a third one, the third one ends up being spoiled because this probably the last one, a third or fourth, and they're the last ones that you're going to have, which means you have that one kid in the middle. You're still working on the first one. You're spoiling the third one, but the kid in the middle is you don't know what the hell is going on with. So they're left with the burden of every trying to navigate through life, don't know what path they want to be on because they don't have anybody to guide them because so much energy is put towards the oldest and the youngest. Yeah, my son Nick, he's a fifteen. Um, he he sometimes feels like the he has like the middle child syndrome, and then you have my yeah. son Julian, who's technically the baby, fourteen years old, and he's like he actually told my wife one day that he didn't want my wife to have a baby, you know, because my wife's not their biological mother, so he told my wife he didn't want her to have a baby, and she's like, why? And he's like, because that means I wouldn't be the baby anymore. <laughs> Right, <laughs> they're spoiled, man. Yeah. My my sister was spoiled. I mean, hell, she's probably she's still spoiled to this day, and she's in her. Yeah, she probably she'd be turning forty. So yeah, she's um yeah she's still spoiled. And my parents are old, and she they still spoiled the hell out of her. So for me, it's like I grew up in life, and I'm sure I'm only five six, and at the time I was kind of chunky too, and so I got picked on a lot. I got bullied. I never really found myself because I didn't, you know. 
I always judged myself thinking I was, I always compared myself to other people that was around me. No different than the kids of today looking at social media. You compare yourself to people on social media. Well, I did it looking at my older brother who was in the sports because my older brother played football. He was very popular. My youngest sister was, she's gorgeous. And she was in pageant shows. She could sing. She could do everything right. So me being, I was somewhat of a, I was a nerd, but I wasn't too much of a nerd because my grades weren't there because I, I had ADHD, which my parents know nothing about. Even to this day, they don't know anything about. And parents, please get your kids looked at. If they're not functioning well in school, don't just think it's just they're being lazy. They could have a condition. You just need to sit down and talk to them <laughs> because you just don't know because they think that a kid is doing bad just because they want to do bad. No, it could be they could, they could be dyslexic. They could have attention deficit disorder, ADD. So, you know, they could have some going on. I had it going on, and my parents didn't know that about me because I didn't realize I had it had it until I got diagnosed with when I was in college. So growing up as a child, I got, like I said, I got bullied. I got picked on a lot. I was a little heavyset being short, so I'm like a little Oompa Loompa. <laughs> and it was terrible. I mean, for me, it was terrible because I never, you know, it, and if, even if people said they liked me, I didn't believe them because I've always was, I was critical of myself. And it wasn't until I got to, I'm a fast forward high school, where I ended up catching Crohn's disease and I almost died from that because I, I, was, I was bleeding out internally. And I had no idea I was bleeding out internally until I had um, appendicitis. So when my appendix was about, my appendix literally did burst. So my appendix, they, it burst on the operating table. Once they got inside of me, they saw that I had ulcers and stuff in my colon, so they had diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. So I was out of school for about almost a year trying to get healed up from that. So I was homeschooled a lot. And I said that I changed up because once I came back into school, like all the friends I had weren't my friends anymore. They had all moved on. So I was by myself. And so when I got out of school, I kind of went sideways because I was like, because I got bullied on. So I, I got into boxing classes. I started doing mixed martial arts and fighting and stuff. And so that boosted my confidence a little bit. So from my late teens, my 18, all the way up until 24, I was on a high. Because I'm fighting. I mean, my body's I'm in, in, in phenomenal shape. I'm working out four hours a day, going through school, done with school, got in corporate America, doing well in corporate America. I'm climbing the corporate chain. And then I end up finding my first wife through one of our, our hair salons. So somebody referred me to this, this um, stylist because I was, I was pretty ricky. So I, I was going to the stylist first thing in the morning, and he was putting an S-curl in my This dude was great, so I wish I could find a barber like that now. Like, he would style, he would wash my hair, style my hair, cut my hair, line me up, and then get me cleaned up and send me off to work. Perfect. I, nobody, I, I've, I've not met a barber or a stylist like that to this freaking day, and I would love to have one now. But to go into, like, the struggles I was going through alone after that, is I'm gonna fast forward through that because I had my first son, which was the greatest day of my life having my first son. Uh, it, it felt great to be a father because I do love that a lot because I wanted to have a kid because I wanted to do something with my children different than how I was raised coming up. Because even, even though I come from a two parent household, it was still tough on me because my parents wouldn't talk, I guess, the right way of how to parent because all of us come from a background of, you know, the you got the father that goes off to work, he earns the money. The mother typically stays at home, even if she does work. She's the one kind of governing the kids and being like the project manager. She handles everything at the house and making sure the kids are okay. And then when the father gets home, you know, he makes sure he has a meal on the table and he don't really spend any time with the kids. Now, my dad did teach us a lot of stuff, but as far as that, like, bonding time between parents and the kids, we didn't have any of that. Like, we didn't do, you know, a whole bunch of parks and stuff. Like, we weren't going outside playing catch or doing, like, kickball. 
it was always us hanging out with our cousins. That was pretty much it. It's it's funny you bring up the bonding. Uh, my my I dropped off my boys with their biological mother yesterday, uh-huh. and uh, you know she, she, I guess she reconciled with her ex, and uh, the, my boys were very happy to see her ex, right? And they ran uh-huh. to her, they gave her a hug, and and she was talking to me. So, oh my God, there's this the little one stretched out so so much, and we started talking about wrestling, and we went to WrestleMania, and. And you can when 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 Julian and, and myself start talking to to this individual about wrestling, apparently my Nick, the oldest, made like a side eye, you know, pretty much showed a little. It, it seemed like a little jealousy, right? Uh-huh. So the mother of my kids pulled me to the side after, and she's like, "Do you bond more with Julian than you do with Nick?" I'm like, the thing is that I can I can do more things with Julian that require like that. That he'll he'll get into like for example you know I was watching the Young Rock on TV and Julian was like Dad did that really happen I'm like yeah mijo I watched it live I watched it what you go to school and you talk about Fortnite with your friends this is what we used to go to school and talk about was the WWF and um, and so she was like what what do you so we bond on that he 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 started watching wrestling with me he'll sit on the couch with me he'll sit next to me and he'll want me to hold him. Like that's our cuddle time. Nick is more of a on his phone all the time. He's 15 years old. The only thing that I can get him to do will probably be if it involves Taylor Swift. You know, <laughs> you know, Dad. If if I had Taylor Swift tickets, trust me, he will go to Taylor Swift with me. The the one thing that Nick and I do bond on over is photography, and and we'll take. Uh-huh. You know, we went to Big Bear a few months ago, and him and I were out to like 11 o'clock at night trying to take pictures of the of the of the big dipper and the little dipper in which he got a really good picture. And, um, you know, we do that, but I think Julian, the, anything that there, there's a lot of things that he can get hooked on and to do with that. We played cat. We played catch. Um, like I said, we watch wrestling. There's a, there's a TV show that I'm, I'm hooked on. He'll sit there with me and watch it. He'll start liking it. So it's that age gap. And that's why I told her, it's, it's, it's the age gap. He's on his phone most of the time. So, yeah, this one who doesn't have he has his phone but doesn't play on it as much will sit there and, and watch wrestling with me. So it's it's just funny that you, you brought up um um bonding with your kids. Yeah, I mean it's so how I look at the kids, like the kids pick up traits from like both the parents. And they some of them gravitate more towards look what you like versus what, you know, the other parent likes. Like even in my situation, like I just I have my two boys. Why and tell you what, I would get to the store. I had three, but I have my two boys. It's like actually here now. My third one passed away. But um, my youngest relates more with me because, like I said, we got the same personality. So I like watching animes. He loved watching animes and reading manga. He's a graphic artist. I used to draw, and I was um, an artist myself before I got into technology. And then so we can sit. We like sci-fi stuff, but we can sit down and talk and nerd out about science and stuff or animes is coming out. And then my oldest he's into uh what it, he plays a lot of games like he played he played a ton of video games that I, don't, that I don't play like we used to play some of the same games together but he's into like the fortnites and the 1v1s and stuff like that i don't get into that so i try to bond with him in that aspect of playing games now when it comes to like being outside when they were growing up like we were everywhere growing up like we liked adventure stuff so we would go outside and we would do like the uh zip line in uh, like rock climbing, all kind of stuff. We would do all that too. But since he's gotten older, 
my oldest is kind of similar to, you know, yours is on his phone. So he would be sitting down texting people and or he's wanting to get on a computer. Like when he's out here with me in, in Georgia, he wants to get because my kids, well, my oldest is going to Michigan State. So he's in Michigan. So when he's down here in Georgia, he wants to get on my computer so he can get online and play with his friends and stuff. So he does bond well with his mom because his mom, my ex, she's in Michigan, too. So he'll drive down from Michigan State and go have lunch with her and spend time with her. Whereas my youngest son, you know, we relate more because we sit down and we nerd out about a lot of technology and science and how we can adapt that. But still, at the end of the day, I don't he's never expressed that. You know, he feels like somebody gets treated a little differently because I try to give them like the same equal amount of love. Now, I guess in my situation, my youngest lives down here because he goes to school down here. Right. So I see him more than I see my oldest. But I still try to reach out and connect with him at least once a week or once a like once. And I am their parent. I don't bug my kids in school. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I don't. I know their mom does it, and that's their mom because that's what moms do. They check up on them at least once or twice a day, or once or once every two or three days. I'm like, you know, y'all grown now. I'm not bothering you in no life. If I'm starting to miss you, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you and text you. You know, if you respond back after two days, if I hadn't heard from you, then I'm going to start harassing you and blowing your phone <laughs> up and start trying to hunt you down. Whereas my youngest, because he's down here, I'm like, hey, man, let's go grab something to eat on a weekend or something. I'll go down and pick him up from school, and then we go grab something to eat. And and that's what I told the mother of my kids as well. It's like, I mean, no offense, but, you know, because obviously – you know, not, not a, a mother doesn't want to hear that the kids are attached to a, a, an individual who's not blood. You yeah. know, and I'm like, no offense, but yes, Nick is more closer to my wife. And they'll, dude, we were, <laughs> we were in my car yesterday, and they, my wife connected her phone to my car, and and we're going, coming home, and the car is full blast, louder than at max, Taylor Swift music, man. And it's like, we're, I mean, some of Tay-Tay's new songs are good. <laughs> it's like, it, to me, I'm like, kind of like driving and I'm like freaking looking annoyed as fuck. It's like, it's not even like I have two little girls in the back seat, bro. I got two teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what yeah, I told yeah. her. That's what I told her. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, not, not, not to hurt your feelings or anything. But yes, he's more attached to my wife and he, they, they, they bond more. You know, when it comes down to visiting grandma, the boys fight. Oh, who's going to sit next to grandma? And I'm sorry that they don't have that relationship with your mom. Hey, they don't have that relationship with my mom. They have the relationship with an individual who's not even blood. And yeah. if this lady's going to go open a CD and put money in the bank for the boys, dude, they're in a family that love them. And I want you to stop hating on them so much and understand, you know, right. understand that these people mean well. And, you know, she didn't argue. Usually she's like, fuck you, Andy. And no, not. She's that she sees it, man. Like, you know, the kids, we get there. They're like, Dad, do we have to stay? I'm like, I drove all the way to Valencia, bro. You're staying. You're going to stay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I tell my boys that because they're not that close to their grandmother because my, my, my mom is my mom. And when they were growing up, she was – um. She wouldn't see them that often. I ain't gonna beat on her down, beat her down too bad. Cause I mean, she she was a terrible grandmother, and she she acknowledges that now too, to a degree, she does. But I still have that thing about me being from the south. I'm like, you still need to talk to your grandmother. I'm like, because no matter what you know she did to me or how she treated y'all growing up, you still need to have that that relationship. I'm like, I'm not saying you gotta go every weekend, but I, you still need to have a relationship. I did that with my mom, bro. I I still took my kids over there to visit her. And I, st no matter what she did to me, 
I still took the kids over there to visit her. It was up until the boys were like, uh, do we have to call her grandma? Like something, an event changed their mentality about going to visit my mom. Right. I put my hands up, bro. And I looked up in the sky and said, hey, I tried. I tried. So. I still enforce it because I tell them all the time. I mean, because they don't remember. <laughs> I tell them all the time, like, make sure you call your grandmother the birthday. It's Mother's Day. Make sure you call your grandmother Mother's Day. Now, they may remember, and I'm, I'm just telling them, but I, yeah, I still do put it in their head. Because yeah. I'm like, you know, you still, I guess that's still the Southerner in me. You still got to kind of respect your elders. I'm not going to force them to do like we had to do. Like, you got to spend a whole weekend or a week down <laughs> right? with her. Because that was, I love my grandmother to death. And I get sad sometimes even thinking about my grandmother. My But reason I didn't, my now my grandmother did watch out for us. But her house was hot as hell. Like, I don't know y'all coming from the, uh, those from the South. Or even any place where, you know, it was like the older houses. They only had one air conditioner in the older generation. They they live, they, they like living in hell in the house. And I'm like, I don't like that. I enjoy some cold air. <laughs> I like heat outside. I enjoy heat outside. But when I come inside, I need a state of relief when I come inside <laughs> so I can cool down. Right. But yeah, I still make them. I still make them call their grandmother. Because I'm like, you know, you, you still need to call your, both your grandparents because they're, they're, they're uh, grandfather too. Because, I mean, he made me who I was. Like, there he you got go. me into technology and stuff. So, and he enjoys those nerd talks. Because when we get around, that's what we talk about. We talk about nerd stuff talk about technology we talk about aliens i mean we talk about everything that's cool that's cool so what so, go ahead no go ahead go ahead no i was gonna ask so what you know what you said so uh, what kind of triggered me down like get into where i'm at today and the circumstances i went through so i was in corporate america i was climbing a corporate chain and i found out that um being young i mean I, i've always learned from other people and other things that, that took place around me that I was spending so much time trying to focus on like my future and getting ahead that I wouldn't spend enough time with my family at home. So are you talking about I'm doing 14 hour, 15 hour days in the office? Cause I was, I was on the executive staff. So I'm trying to impress all the higher ups so I can get, you know, up into another position. And around the time, both of my boys were, you know, they was here, but I would come home and then I would be so exhausted that I wasn't hardly doing anything when I got home until my wife at the time, she told me about that. And I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I do learn from my mistakes. So when I'm called out on something, I do a self-analysis. And if it's legit, legitimately true, then I'm like, okay, you're right. I need to adjust that. So I adjusted that. And shortly around the same time frame, it was when she was pregnant with my uh, the third child. So I would come home from work. I still would be in work early, but I'll probably get home around, you know, 6 o'clock in the evening. So get home, play with my boys for a little bit, get some father time with them. You know, we play around, throw a ball around, and then get them ready for bed. And while she cooks dinner, I'm reading to them and whatnot, doing the, the you know parental thing. And then I get we we take turns. We, we took we we split it up. We split duties up. One would grab one, the other one grab the other one. I'll bathe them, and she'll she'll lotion up and lather up one of them, and I lather up the other one. And then I'm the one that's putting the youngest because at the time he was still on the bottle. Get him uh get him ready for bed while she got the other one ready for bed. But then it was, what is it? Because his birthday is coming up too. It was 2005. Yeah, I think it was 2005. She gave birth to my youngest son. And he came out with a couple of conditions. Like he had his left intent, his left, no, his left uh, testicle didn't drop. So y'all that don't know about, uh, <laughs> about anatomy, babies, especially boys, when before they're born, their testicles are up inside of them, like in their lower abdomen. And before, as they start to develop, 
it drops down into, you know, your testicle sac. Well, in some situations, one of them or two of them, they don't drop all the way down. So you have to go through some surgery to get it to drop down. So he had to go through surgery. And then he is still having, like, issues to where he was puking up. Uh, I'm not even going to go into too detail because it's kind of disgusting. But he was puking up a lot outside of the norm. And, and the puke wasn't the same. It wasn't the color of, like, the milk that he was drinking. And so we kept taking him to the doctor's office. And we was like, something is not right. Because I'm like, he's not gaining that much weight. Something is not right. So we, what we end up finding out, he had a blockage in his lower intestine. So when you have a, now adults have that, but when you have that, most kids don't survive because what it means is as you digest food, the food has nowhere to go because it's blocked. So once it starts, it comes back up into your stomach. And so from there, because it can't sit in your stomach and you're talking about it's technically bowel, now it's coming, it has to come out one way, which is going to be the mouth. So it ended up happening to him. So. I was one. I was rushing up. I'm the one that's watching out, making sure all the everybody at home was okay. Because again, it's the mom and it's her child, making sure that she's okay, making sure my two boys are okay. Because they, I mean, they they babies. They, they don't even know what the hell is going on. And then I'm rushing him to the doctor, pediatrician, and then to the hospital. And I'm telling you right now, that's like that's the hardest thing that I don't wish on any parent whatsoever. None, none whatsoever. And it's tough for me to even think about. But you're talking about having your kid plugged up into machines. Um, he's still a baby, like he's a newborn. Them having to put needles, they can't find a vein in his arm because he's so young, so they got to put vein, they got to shave his head, put veins, run needles and stuff into his head to catch a vein in his oh head. Oh my God. And it's, 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 it was terrible. It was terrible. So fortunately for enough, they, we went through the surgery and he came out of it and he started gaining weight. Like he started gaining weight like any traditional kid, regular, regular kid would, and he was laughing and playing. And, you know, we had a good time for like a good five months, five and a half months. And then shortly after that, I was in the office one day. Got I met, woke up that morning because I was the one <laughs> I was done dirty. So I would get up so she wouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night. So when when he got up and he was, you know, wanting something to eat, I would get up and go and feed either one of them. So I fed him that morning, fed him that morning, put him back down to sleep, then uh, went off to work. And it was it wasn't even three hours later, she had got up and fed him again. Well, cause now everybody's up in the house. She fed him again, got the other two downstairs. They were, you know, downstairs eating. And she came back up to check on him and he was gone. No shit. So I got a phone call at work that she was screaming and hollering. My neighbor called me and I heard in the background screaming, hollering. I was like, what the hell is going on? And they had, she had told me, my neighbor told me that I just need to hurry up and get home. So I got home and, you know, I found my kid in the bed. So that from that point on, it was like a downward spiral because she didn't know how to, uh, which I don't, you know, no mother would know how to deal with that. Your child dying, especially when you see your child, you know, his body in the bed. I had three boys, his body in the bed. And then she's taking the blame on her because and he passed away from SIDS. So those are know he says a sudden infant death syndrome. And so she's thinking that maybe she laid him down the wrong way and he just ended up suffocating or. And in most cases with sudden infant death syndrome, it's just the kid didn't have enough strength or whatever to pull their neck up. So they end up smothering themselves to death. And so that's probably that's what happened with him. He just died by asphyxiation because he just didn't have the strength to hold his head up, which was weird because I had laid him down that morning and he was perfectly fine. So, um, yeah, I think I think the divorce came from she didn't know how to um, deal with that internally. So it ended up affecting both of us. And me, I didn't get a chance to grieve because I got as being a man, I gotta make sure that everybody in the household is perfectly fine. 
and making sure my two youngest boys are okay because they're again they're toddlers. They don't know what the hell is going on. They don't know why their mom is so upset. And they don't understand why we're upset. They don't even understand why we're going to funerals and stuff. They don't, I mean, because they're toddlers. They not, they, to this day, don't even remember it. And so we, um, that affected our, our household. And then I ended up having a situation at work to where I had to leave my job. And so from leaving my job and then I had my own business going, it led into the recession of 2007, 2008. If 2008, anybody remembers that 2008, dude, I lost my job. I didn't work for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, same here. So couldn't get back into corporate America. The business I had had, had failed because we're going through a recession. Nobody had any extra money to spend. And so we were staying with my parents. And staying with my parents, she finally confessed to me that, you know, she wanted to leave because she just had fallen out of love. And I guess all the pain that she had to deal with my youngest son, she just couldn't handle it no more. So she left and took the boys and went to Michigan. And I was here by myself. Now... My mom, because it wasn't my dad, excuse me, my mom was like, she thought it was me that the reason we was getting divorced, it was because she thought I wanted to get out and run the streets. And I'm like, if <laughs> those people, if people that know me, I'm not, I'm again, I just told y'all early on, I'm an introvert. Introverted people don't run the streets. We stay at home and we mind our business. <laughs> and right. we, we, either we're in a book, we're on a computer, or we just, we just tend our own business to ourselves. Or we, we do a podcast. <laughs> or, or we do podcasts. <laughs> We don't, we don't, we're not club people. Nope. We're not getting out, hanging out in bars. Nope. We're not doing any, but my mom swore to God, that's what it was. And she was like, if they leave, I got to go. And I got kicked out. Wow. And so I left my mom's house and it was by the grace of God that I, the, I ended up getting a, a job at this like GameStop and me and the manager ended up becoming cool. And so he invited me to stay with him. And so, but. I still, but he only, he lived in a one bedroom apartment. So he lived, he gave me room on his floor. So I, I slept on his floor. But during that time frame of all that, yeah, that's when I was like, I need to check out. Like I was sitting on a bench on a playground from where my parents lived at. And I was just sitting on a swing and I was just like, man, how did I get here? I was like, you know, I was climbing a corporate ladder. <laughs> that reminds me of a song from, <laughs> what's it called? Watching the children play. <laughs> yeah, it man, it's. <laughs> It was rough because it's like you know if you looked at my life before all that happened, you would I was living in the I was living the, the high life. I had a thirty six hundred square foot house. We had a big media room that the, the kids played in. We had a big TV and stuff in there. That huge surround sound systems everywhere. So we would you know hang out and we have our barbecues and stuff every weekend with all the neighbors in the community. And to see me from there, my wife driving a car that she wanted to drive. I couldn't get what I wanted to get because, you know, college and credit scores would be messing everybody up. But still, I was still, I was still <laughs> driving a newer car. But uh, we was doing great. I mean, we had the nuclear household, you know, big house, big yard. American dream. Yeah, American dream. To see me from there all the way down to where I'm homeless now and then going through a divorce. And I had a, I had a kid in the, I had put in the grave. Man, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And the only thing that turned me around was I always thought about if I leave here, I'm going to watch out for my boys. And they were still toddlers. So I was like, they, I think it was only like three and four or well, four and five. I don't even know. It's, no, three and four. So I was like, who going to watch out for my boys? So if I if I check out now, what's going to happen with them? And I, had, I always had something about myself when I had boys. I was like, I would refuse to raise sorry men. Like I, we always had, we had enough sorry men in this world. And I was like, you know, no matter what I do, I'm going to make sure that these boys grow up to be outstanding men. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm going to teach them the old Southern way and I'm going to teach them the new way that, you know, you can be great in life without having no burdens, no problems from anybody else coming upon you to bring you down. And that was the only thing that saved me from checking out because I was right there on the verge of, similar to you, just ending it all. Right. So it took two years of laying on somebody's floor. And when I tell you that's hard, like people say, oh, well, you know, at least you went outside in the, in the environment. I don't wish any of it on nobody because I was he, I was sleeping on his floor, so you know he still want to have company and hang out. So he I couldn't leave, I couldn't go to sleep until he got done partying with his friends and stuff. And then you know he got girls coming over, so I again cannot go to sleep <laughs> until you know he get done until the side effects are over. Yeah. <laughs> so and then because I didn't have anything, I had to walk to work. So I was walking to work and pouring down rain sometimes. Or when here in Georgia, don't snow often, but walking to work in snow and ice and stuff. And I'm having to pack a change of clothes. So it it was a horrible time. Like it, this is what I say. I don't wish homelessness on anybody. So when people tell me they're like when I'm running for office, when I was running for office, and I had to deal with people that was going through the kind of stuff, like, you know, my heart kind of went out for them because I know what that means, especially those that living out in, um, in the environment. So fast forward after two years, I ended up getting another job back into corporate America. And so from that point on, I just kept working myself back up and things just kept gradually, you know, turning around and turning around. And I got to a place, I think it was my first run, what was it six years ago? No, four, no, five years ago. I was after I had overcome all the troubles I had went through, I'm back in corporate. I'm doing great in corporate. And at this time, I'm dating. I'm not married again. I'm dating. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking around. I'm still in the same community I grew up in. Like, all this stuff happened in the same community I grew up in, which is crazy to me. Because I, we left from Macon and went to Stone Mountain. From Stone Mountain, I moved out to Norcross, Georgia. But I, from Norcross, Georgia, when I bought my first house, I bought my first house back out in Stone Mountain so my kids could be close to their grandparents. So... All this stuff happened in the same place that I grew up from when I was 10 years old. So I end up, um, I lost my train of thought. So working my way up, looking back in that same area of where I grew up at, and I'm seeing the conditions that everybody's living in, it's actually going downhill. I'm like, these same politicians, this is when we run for office, the same politicians that were in office, that's been in office for all this time, but yeah, I'm seeing my community and people going through stuff that I would just overcame and still going through it now. I'm seeing more homelessness I've never seen in my neighborhoods before because we never had homelessness like that out in the suburban areas. I'm seeing businesses uh, putting bars and stuff up on their windows because crime is, is getting rampant. And I was just like, you know what? It's, it's time for a change. So I ran for office. I ran for Congress out in my area because I did, my congressman, he was a commissioner out there. He was sorry as hell as a commissioner because he and I got into arguments. I cussed him out as a commissioner. <laughs> and so when he got promoted to, when they, they, they were campaigning for him to be a congressman, I'm like, I wouldn't support this man a day in my life. I'm like, I'd rather support a dog running for office than support him. And But it, he got in. So I wanted to challenge him because I was like, he was a terrible commissioner and he's a terrible congressman. So I, I challenged him. And so people, you know, people was against it because when you're running for office, especially as a Democrat, you never challenge an incumbent. I'm like, I don't care. This is my hometown. This is where I come from. None of y'all, everybody else the implants. I'm running because it's time for change in my community and we need change in my community and we need positive change. We need people that relate to the actual people, not people that have gone off to school and because they can see the struggle, they think that they can they can empathize with those people never having gone through those same struggles. Same thing I tell anybody in life. If you got anybody preaching to you, I don't care if it's a pastor or anybody else preaching to you and they've never gone through hardships and overcome it, don't listen to them. 
because they don't know what it means to go through the struggles and pains of life. They only know what they've read or what they've seen on TV or what they've heard from anybody else. To me, people that can give the best advice are those that have gone through it. Exactly. That's just my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. So from there, it didn't work out because I challenged an incumbent. And this dude was like <laughs> a, a 10-term incumbent. So the first time, it didn't go through well. So I ended up getting more involved because I had did a lot of community service work. So when I was, was working in corporate America prior to that, I did a lot of community service work. I was a vice president of a nonprofit in my corporation. So I was doing mentoring the youth. We was cleaning up schoolyards and I was doing a lot of community service work. And then I did a lot of community service work with the church I was with because I used to sing as um, in the praise team. So we would go help out like homeless shelters and we would help out like um, the women's shelters, the battered women's shelters. Even though as a man, you can go in there, but you could still do stuff to like bring them things. You could provide uh, food assistance, like bring help bring food to the houses and whatnot and help get them uh, counseling. So I was doing all this stuff. So I continue on to that and start just putting my name out more. So once people really started knowing who I was, that's when I really started this podcast on top of it too. So I started this podcast because as I started talking more to the community, people didn't understand how bills were written. They didn't understand how to read bills. And any of y'all coming from like a church church background and you know how to read the Old Testament or the Old King James Version, you know how to read it. If you you can read any form of law, if you can read <laughs> I the have King the, James Bible, I have the King James Bible and I cannot read it. If you can read that and understand it, the these, the does, and hymns and highs, you can read any form of law that's out there. So I I found that I had a knack for that because I grew up in the church and we had that's all we had to read. So. I started explaining bills to people. And like I said, when I was explaining them, they was like, man, why nobody else gave us that before? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, these people have been in the office for how many? I was like, y'all keep voting for them. <laughs> I was like, why do you keep voting for them if, they, if they're not teaching you stuff? So I started the podcast because I'm like, okay, well, I'm teaching people on cybersecurity. So my background is IT and security. So I've done networking, networking and security for over 20 something years now. So I was traveling the world teaching about IT security. So I was like, okay, well, if I can teach security to people that don't even speak the same language as me, then I can teach technology to people that don't understand technology. If I can read the, the old King James Version of the Bible and I can actually read bills and understand what they're trying to do in bills and how it's going to impact you and how it's going to impact your future and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I can do this for people in the community. So when I started doing that, I was streaming at the time because this is now going on to the pandemic. So I, I, we, I'm part of this whole gaming community. I'm playing games. And then while I'm playing games, kids are coming on and kids are going through the same thing as my youngest son. They're dealing with depression. So they're talking to me, not realizing how old, how old, old I was. I would tell them about how I overcame stuff. So I'm, I'm counseling these kids online while playing video games. This is on Twitch. So I was like, okay, let me incorporate all this stuff together into a podcast. And let me just start talking to people, breaking stuff down for them, giving that aha moment. And then when it came to the mental health issues, I had this thing called this session called on the couch and this on the couch session was I would have like a specialist come on the a psychiatrist or people that deal with like uh Reiki and stuff or yoga or whatever to help people with their mindfulness with mental health issues or questions they might have or things they're battling and they're having to deal with the psychiatrist be there as a specialist to help them out and tell them what practice they can do without actually having to sit down and have them on their couch so give them a high level thing of what they can practice at home right and that's how, long story short, that's where I got to where I am today. So now 
I have the podcast going. I've had my first in-person studio audience show um, happen like a couple of months ago. So I'm trying to plan for the next one. I got a radio. I had a radio session going before I went to being in person because I like seeing people's faces. And I like people. I would like to, the idea of having people want to ask the guest questions as opposed to just them hearing it on like the radio. And then outside of that, I started another business to where I'm doing development, videography work, and, and audio engineering for corporations and schools and stuff. So I have that going on as well too, on top of my day job where I'm still working in IT. So I'm working as a working R and D, which is research and development on new 5G technology. So. That is a short and a skinny of, of where I am today. Do I still deal with depression? Absolutely. Absolutely. I still have something I'm still battling right now because to me, when you get to my age in life, I don't know if you feel the same way, Andy. I feel like I should be further ahead. So I still have to kind of bring myself in like, oh, you know, I had to jump over a ton of hurdles to get to where I am. So, you know, things are going to work its way out. They may not work out in the same time frame, the time frame that you wanted to work out in, but you're still doing better than what you were years ago. It, exactly. I was just having a conversation with my buddy on 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 Friday yesterday. The same guy mentioned to you about um uh, on your podcast, the guy that we go on our our, our morning our morning coffee cut talks, and uh, we were just talking about maybe like a, maybe like possibility of a new career and a new different job. And he was telling me like you know don't 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 just do it for the money. And I you know don't don't have don't let money be the reason why you would want to quit your job that you've been doing so good for the past ten years. And I'm like, no 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 that's not well. In a way it is, and in a way it's not. It's just the fact that I look at my savings account. My son is is 15. He's got two more years of high school. And what do I have to offer? I got two cents in my savings account. My son can't go to college with two cents. Yeah. You know, so um, it's not, it's not, no, I still, like, it's like I've been doing this for so long at this one company and I have two cents to show for, you know, you know, when I have other people telling me, hey, come, come with us, man, look at the, you know, you put in 100 and the company puts five and, you know, they're trying to get me to, you know, come over. I'm just not the kind of guy to just quit my job, you know, I don't just right. up and quit, but it's like, Again, we go back to the two cents. I yep. got two cents in my savings because I've been living paycheck to paycheck for a company that I've been doing for ten years. So, to your point, I, I, I you're right. I feel like I'm not where we're sh- we, we should be at forty years old with only two cents in my savings. Yeah, man. It's for me, and it's like I know. I guess from the outside looking in, I am doing well. We are. I feel we are. I yeah yeah we are. And I just feel like I should be further ahead to a degree because I have both my boys in school. Like, I, will still, I still pay child support, but I don't pay child support, child support. So what be, So what I did with... <laughs> yeah, <he was laughs> I'm like, done, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, me, their mom and I, we have a good relationship now. So, I mean, all the stuff that we went through, that's, just, that's gone as water under the bridge. Good. So we're like the best of friends right now. That's good. So what I did was the money that that I was sending up there for child support to make sure they were taken care of. Cause I would brag on myself. I was, a, I am a phenomenal father and I was a phenomenal father because even though I was paying child support, I was still paying for all the extracurricular activities. So whenever they, cause they played, both of them played soccer. Uh, they both was in the, um, in one was an orchestra, advanced orchestra playing um, violin. The other one, before he played violin, he's playing, the viol- both of them playing the viola. So one transition up to the violin and the other one went from viola to French horn. 
if y'all don't know how much a French horn costs, go look how much a French horn costs. <laughs> it costs the same amount as a freaking car. Damn. It is the most expensive instrument that any kid can play in school. It's a brass instrument. French horn, I think the thing cost me $12,000. Damn. So I'm paying for all that on top of paying child support. So that's why I was like, you can't tell me I wouldn't be in a great dad. <laughs> and they did great in it. I mean, he went from playing in the band at school to he got into the marching band. And so from when they graduated high school and they went into college, I just, just transitioned from, I'm like, I'm already paying it. So I'm like, just as opposed to going to her account to manage and, and give it out to them, it now goes into their checking account. Nice. So now I give them that money. So they, cause, cause I had a belief too that I'm like, I refuse to have my kids be starving college students. I, I'm not, I'm not doing that. A lot of parents, and especially in the black community, we say that they're all, all the time they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to go through what we went through. I do not believe in generational curses. <laughs> my kids, the money. I mean, if I'm already used to paying, would I like to have all those thousand dollars back in my account? I would, but I'm like, I don't want my kids going through a struggle. So I'm like, you know. You're in college. As long as you're doing great in college, you're doing, you're getting your grades like you're supposed to. You will continue to get this money. So I went from paying it to her. It's now in their checking account. And then, you know, I still pay for that stuff. I like to pay for my oldest son, his food and stuff. So, and I still take care of, of both of them. So, but I still feel though, I need money for myself too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I need money to stack up because I mean, I'm getting older. Yeah. So I should be, I'm like you, I should be building up my savings. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I should be building up my savings account, but it's like I'm spending more on the kid. Check this. Know? Check this one out. So recently, my wife is. I, I had to get rid of Bank of America because Bank of America didn't help me when I got my phone hacked. Uh, they felt it was all 100% my fault, so I switched banks, and now I have a credit union with my wife where we can see all all four of our accounts, mine, my wife, and the two boys. And um, so the other day, I was talking to her. I was like, "Hey, babe." So you took over your you took over the um the cell phone bills. Thank you so much, but I have to change our gym memberships now to a different debit card. But the thing is that before the gym had my debit card for both memberships. Now I kind of need you know your you know I need a I need to link up your account to. She was I'll just pay for my gym membership, and you'll pay for yours. You know how I celebrated, bro. You want to know how I celebrated the twenty two ninety nine? Peacock, bro, no commercials. Yeah, I went full <laughs> Peacock, man. <laughs> that was my celebration, bro. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it, and I have all those streaming platforms, but I mean, I you know, I feel like you know, especially I'm sure you do too. We work so hard, and I'm like, yeah, you supposed to take care of your kid, but man, I work so hard. I need some money for myself too. <laughs> right. Not even just for my, not even for my wife. I just need money for myself. Yeah. And it's like, I spend so much to take care of everybody. I'm like, I should be, especially what I do. I'm like, in my, in my field that I'm working in, I look at how much people are making them, especially my job right now, how much you're making in my job versus what I'm making. I'm like, no, I should be way for it. Cause I'm like, this shit is, this is crazy. But now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like where your friend was saying to you though, I've been doing it for 20 years. What does it mean to change into something else? Which is yeah. why I'm, I'm kind of focusing on my business because I enjoy doing that. It's something brand new. I love doing it. I love like creating something and seeing what the end product is and getting it out there. So I'm trying to like monetize off of that. Cause one of the, I'm taking a, 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 so those that know about web three secure web three, web three is a new uh, internet that's coming out down the line. You hear all over the, all over the media right now. And if you don't know about it, go learn about it. But 
I'm learning about that right now, but I'm taking a security class on that. And so at the first part of the security class, the guys, I'm because I'm cool with, and they was like, well, you know, once you come through this class, you should be able to get a job in Web3 security. And they was like, so what do you plan to do? And I said, dude, I'm 44 years old. I said, I am not trying to switch a damn job. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I'm learning this because I want to learn it. And I'm like, because I'm a nerd, I want to know how to use it. And if I can adapt it into my business and make it another form of income into my business. I said, but to leave where I'm at right now and go interview with another company, I said, they might have, they might even want them because, you know, they practice ageism in corporate America. They may not want to hire me because I'm like, I've been doing security and networking for so long. I'm going to come in asking for a higher dollar amount. And so I'm like, you know, I don't want to go through the struggle of starting all over at a brand new company. Now, if, they, if, if I see somebody offer me something good, I might. And I get the same flexibility, absolutely. But right. yeah, it's, that's why I'm kind of struggling in right now, too, is like, do I switch up careers? And I always ask some of my friends that because I have a, one of my good friends, my best friend. She's the president of a college. So she's been in education pretty same as me. Her entire career, she's you know she's been a, a elementary school teacher. She went from elementary to uh, teaching high school, from high school teaching to um, community college as a professor, from professor to a dean to a, uh, a vice president, and now she's a president. And so both of us, we, we at this age, and now she's older than me, like she's in her fifties. So we both looking at this age and, and stage in our life, and I'm like, I'm kind of getting tired of doing. I love technology, but I'm like, man, it's like I need a, a refresh because I'm like, you always learn in technology. I'm not. I'm never gonna quit it because I'm excited about what's out there. I'm excited about AI. I'm excited about you know all this blockchain stuff that's being talked about. I'm like, but do I want to continue working in that field? I don't know. I'm like, I I want something a little different. And so for me, that's what I've been kind of battling later on top of you know wanting to make some more money because I need some. Right. Money. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like I tell my wife, if I can keep just fifty dollars to my name after every paycheck, after every bill gets paid, I'm a happy man, bro. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and I don't know about you, like healthcare. Healthcare is kicking my ass. Eight hundred bucks a month for me. Yes, yeah, and you hired me, so I'm at five. Was it five eighty five right now for just two people? What I say in the beginning. What I say in the beginning. Someone always has it worse than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you got kids, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm got, paying yeah, for so four. Yeah. So, fortunately for me, my boys are under my ex-wife, under their her insurance. So, they have health care, which I still, and I pay for it, too. So, they, <laughs> they have health care <laughs> under her insurance, on what a job that she works at. But, yeah, just for me and my wife alone, man, yeah, it's like 585 But I was like, there is, this is not no affordable health care. I was like, this is expensive as hell. <laughs> right. Oh, you talking about five eighty five a month on top of all your regular bills? Because because mortgages and rents are going up. Yeah, like everything is high, and I'm like, and I make really good money, but between my kids being in college and the house I'm living in and stuff, it's like, and, and you know, I can't itemize. I, yeah. Believe me, I, I cannot. I would love. I can't itemize. There's nothing to itemize. <laughs> <laughs> like I know people. A lot of people say, oh, you know. If you start looking at what you have and maybe you know you could drop down something, I can't drop it on anything smaller. It's like <laughs> I need to actually need more space because we got I need more space. <laughs> well, but before we sign off, man, is there anything that you want to you know last words of wisdom to the listeners? Yeah, man. So I, I I tell people all the time. You always hear me say it. I know you probably seen other people motivational speaking and stuff. I say take your three L's every day. Uh, live live for today. Because tomorrow's not promised. Is live, love, laugh, laugh about the things you have no control over, 
and then love all lead with your heart so and lead and lead with love because i'm like if you follow those three principles those would be your guiding things to help you out throughout your days it's not going to be the cure all for everything but at least you'll know how to laugh at the right moment you know how to lead in love with your heart because you're supposed to love everybody and then you just live for today because tomorrow's not promised so if you live for today and get a little ray of sunshine out of today you're doing better than what you would be doing yesterday exactly amen to that buddy um well thanks again for having me on your podcast a few weeks ago and uh you're welcome to come back anytime any other stories you have um like i said anyone's welcome to come back um and antonio like i end every podcast buddy thank you for writing with me thank you man thank you for listening to ride with me the flat tire indie podcast you can also listen to us on itunes spotify and podbean